for a week, honestly. I've been prepared with, oh man, let's have this conversation about how good my settings are. I get on tonight, honestly, and there was one of the dials that was on my, it's not even a dial, dude. It's a switch that's on my USB input. It was giving me the white noise. So I turned it off. And then I had to, because that's like a lower, it's like a lower level input. So there's no power coming into it. What I don't know what it, what that means really. Um, I had to adjust the knobs on my mixer. So now all of these settings that I set a week ago are off. Dude, this is why I bought an external recorder. <sighs> I don't ever want to think about any of this shit again. Yeah. And good for you, man, because I'm, I'm not going to be stressing. <laughs> I, you know, I spent, um, you know, the last 11 minutes, you said you were ready to go like 9.30-ish. I thought, let me get in here and just kind of th- set things up. And sure enough, man, I'm in here. There's no white noise. Um, I see good levels. I'm happy. Uh, and then you said you're ready to go. Boom, I'm on it. I'm just going to be whatever happens, happens, dude. Control <laughs> control the things I can. And and just like last week's episode, what it was damage. And apparently that's what we did. We, we, uh, we mentally damaged the uh the recording on my part i don't know what the hell happened <laughs> but i think i fixed it so we'll see mm-hmm. or it sounds perfect yeah no i mean to you it sounds difference. okay right you I, I sound all right in your end. Yeah. yeah yeah you sound fun to me you drop out every now and again but that's just that's, that's just the nature of the call. game yeah that's it man. yeah actually while we're on it let me uh turn off my bluetooth and my cellular i got Lindsay. So uh way. i got Lindsay some airpods Oh, sick. so I never, I never texted you, and I don't think she looked it up. But what are the secrets of the uh, the AirPods? What's the the touch? Because she goes, she comes back from a walk, and she goes, "Hey, I think I touched my AirPods, and I skipped to the next track or something." What does she do? <laughs> Is there like a couple of uh, movements with the hand or finger that? Uh, oh, you dropped out there. So what? Did, she came back from the walk and said it was doing. What? Yeah, so she came back from a walk and she said, "Hey, I think I touched them, and I skipped to the next track." Oh, yeah. So you can customize all that. Like you could do like a double tap. We'll skip. Oh, well, does she have AirPods or AirPod Pro? Um, The two air, whatever the latest AirPods are. The one with silicone tips? Uh, or no, not? no, no, no. Just the regular ones that have the actual it's all plastic. Oh, OK. I don't know the second gen AirPods things, but because uh, I went from first gen to pro pro. Um. But uh, yeah, you can, I think a double tap used to bring up Siri, but maybe it defaults to skipping a track or what. You can change all those settings okay. and settings. Cool. Yeah, she's yeah. excited, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Completely changed my like lunchtime walks <laughs> when I was at work because <laughs> I was so sick of the cables. It was so annoying. Well, I'm still, I'm um, still going on. Uh, I still got the, uh, the USB-C attached headphones because when I go for a job, I don't know what it's like. I've never listened to Lindsay's headphones. I don't know what it sounds like if you if you've done this comparison. I did some Bluetooth before and the depth of the bass because they're wireless and they just can't power that bass. It was just so lacking on the USBs that I tried. It wasn't they weren't AirPods, Uh but I noticed that that was the one big crutch of those wireless ones was that I couldn't get the full sound that I got with the with the wired headphones. So I, I stick with those. Yeah, I noticed that if I put the wired ones in, I'm like, oh, okay, I can see the the plus sides here, but the the benefits outweigh the drawbacks. Yeah, um, for me. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm sure if like I jumped the, into it, I'd see it too and go, wow, I, I don't ever want to go back to the wired ones. I mean, I can't. <laughs> I mean, the the first after using AirPods, the first time a headphone falls out because you moved your arm wrong or something, you're like, oh fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Uh, as far as we can tell, are you recording on your end? I am. Yeah, yeah, man. 
Oh, good. So as far as we can tell, um, your settings have, oh, uh, shit. I'm trying to roll into this. <laughs> sure, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you told your settings to stay all the way. <laughs> yeah, man. This is Jimmy Epod. <laughs> I thought you were rolling into it, and then you didn't. I was like, I can't let that go by. I didn't have a pun prepared. Uh, well, I did. I did, but uh, oh, that, that's perfectly fine, man. <laughs> no, no, no. See, I railroaded you again. No, dude. I think it's I a matter were, of who thought, gets it in first. I think that's fair game, right? That's what she said. Right. <laughs> and that's another thing is we haven't had any that's what she said's on here. Well, is that the first that's, that's what she absolutely, said? Absolutely, absolutely, David, Whoa. because I have been subconsciously keeping track of that. That is the first, that's what she said, Michael Scott, um, of this. It only took 32 I know, episodes. 32 episodes in to, to one, get our settings to be what seemed to be okay, and then also to- No, these are just okay, because I, I didn't, uh, I still am not able to play Eclipse. Yeah, you know what? It's, it, <laughs> this is, we're, you know, we're, we're a work in progress. Like, everyone- uh, in their personal lives, we are a work in progress. This this podcast is a work. I, we're not going to um, make it seem like we're this perfect, you know, processed. You know, even though you're an editor, I'm graphic design. We're both techies. <laughs> we've got this. We still have our issues, man. Yeah, by episode 555, <laughs> we'll have we'll have this on lock. And I'll I think that is absolutely music. fair. That's a goal. I'll set that for myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me set What this. are you drinking? I am having, so... Oh, my gosh, the cats, they're back. These cats, it's cute. Cats and <laughs> oh, saran yeah. wrap. So I, I have... It always autoplays this shit. I don't know. You're a wine guy, right? No. You don't like wine at all? Oh, no, not at all. Man, that's... I mean, I guess, I, I guess I'm a worldly fellow. I like, uh, I like <laughs> all different kinds. I won't argue that. Yeah, my, uh, my wife really enjoys Josh uh, wine. So it's a, uh, you know, and there's different variations of that. They've got the cab and they've got the the Malbec and all that. Um, but Josh is a really good vintner of of wine in general. And so tonight I'm enjoying a nice Cabernet Sauvignon. Is that how you would say it if I'm not mm. too pretentious? I believe so, yeah. yeah. And then so you, my friend? Guy? Yeah, I, I like red. Susie's a white gal. Yeah. Um. She's so I've been getting her a lot of Cabernet Sauvignon or uh, Sauvignon Blancs. That's what I'm getting. Uh huh. You're drinking a Cab. Yes. But, right. So it's like yeah, yeah. it's just the red She's equivalent, right? They, Sauvignon. They Blanc. leave. They leave the um, the peel of the grape on there, the skin of the grape, and that's what makes it red. But it's still the same process. Yours is just with the with the oh, the peels off. Oh, I wonder if she yeah. would enjoy that. She doesn't really enjoy red, so. No. Oh. Um. I'll always try wine. Like if we go out to a nice steak dinner and they want to pair it, like, and I'm already at like, like Napa Rose at Disneyland at California Adventure has, um, like, uh, uh, what is it that I'm thinking of? Uh, the people that know all the wines. Um, oh, sommelier. Sommelier. Yeah. They, they come out and they want to pair everything. And I'm just like, fine, I'll do it. And I never enjoy it <laughs> no matter what they give me. And I tell them that ahead of time, which is already like, classing up the joint right i'm like i don't drink wine but i don't really go about it that way i'm like i 100 percent have never enjoyed it so they try to pair it and i just don't get it I, it's just not for me not my palate so tonight i'm having viva la beaver by belching beaver brewery down in san diego it's a mexican chocolate peanut butter stout and i, told you about I am entirely jealous i am entirely jealous about that i saw the picture 
yeah, earlier this week, and uh, I'm a fan of chocolate in general. <laughs> and so, I mean, you're only human. I, yeah, <laughs> right. I, I'm a bigger fan of dark chocolate. Just if if anyone's yeah. wondering for a, a nice uh, Father's Day gift, it's a it's a dark chocolate. That's what I like. Totally. Uh, housekeeping from last week. Uh, we played damage, um, but we didn't get into the one thing I said we would get into, which is. Uh, his version that he did at his solo show up at Velvet Jones that we were both at. And I love playing the music from that show. Yeah. So I figured we could hear a little bit of damage from that show that we were at and see if you could pin pinpoint your voice in the crowd, maybe cheering. I'm sure. Cheering on. Yeah, there's a yeah in there. I'm sure that was mine. So here we go. This is, this is <laughs> uh, track 12 from his live set there at Velvet Jones. Damage. That's right. You're going to rate in the 50% there, baby. Now, David, if I'm, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, man, you said in last week's episode that that was the bridge and that was one of your tops. Yes. Right. And it, it listening to that where it's just Jim and his acoustic guitar 
it gives you an opportunity to see not only how he can provide his vocal abilities, but also that how much the bridge draws you back into it. Like, let's say you drift off in the middle of the song. Once they get into that Jimmy Eat World bridge and the way that it just separates itself from the verse, the chorus, and sometimes can bring you right back into that. And then you are just into that last little verse into the chorus right in with Jim, man. I, I love it. It They're just so strong. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's uncanny, and they go into that otherworldly place, too, like, musically, where, ugh, it's just so good. Yeah, yeah, man, and, and you know, I'm, I was trying to listen to how they mixed that, because I'm trying to get something set up in here to where I can just... I've live got set, or on the album, you mean? Uh, on that live one, because it's just him and uh-huh. the, the guitar, right? And right. Uh, I, I guess mixed wise, that's just me and my and, iPhone. So yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. and I'm just trying to think of how the guy in, in the, the, the at the soundboard in the back is just has got it routed. And I'm just trying to think uh, of uh-huh. how um, how they have that set up. So it sounds clean, not overproduced. It sounds live. And to me, just listening to that, it sounded like they got some reverb on his voice. Um, I, and uh-huh. I can't tell what they have on his acoustic, but that's just what I would love to know to where I have a, like a template set up in GarageBand. Look, it's the two mic setup. I just come in, I sit in my little office here and I record something and it sounds okay. That's what I'm hoping for, but I haven't, I haven't, I haven't unlocked that code yet. Sure, sure, sure. Now that also brings me to, um, a, a few weeks ago, we talked about Ben Foote doing, playing something live and and the track escapes me once again. What he played um, live, recorded, and then posted on the Facebook forum for all of us to enjoy. Oh, right, right. So I know that he's into into recording himself. I, I and you know what? I wish, but before this, I had listened to it again just to see how he mixed his or how he had his set up. His sounded clean. It was just him and his guitar. Uh, but also, Ben Foot had left us a voicemail again. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for reminding yeah. me. I didn't. I yeah. I didn't make good notes. Yeah. So if uh, if you did want to listen to that, I do have that queued up. Please do. All right. So this is Ben Foot uh, from the other day again. Thank you again for leaving this uh, voicemail. Here we go. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Ben Foot. Uh, just calling back. I once again do not have a correction, but uh, but I'm calling just with a comment. Um, first of all, I love that we're doing. Uh, early era Jimmy World. Um, I actually kind of love the 94 self-titles and Chachi and Cars are low-key bangers in my opinion. <laughs> so love the Slide Out of Luck episode. Um, as I was listening to it and listening to Eric, uh, by the way, what, a, what an interesting dude. Uh, what a well of, of stories and knowledge. So super cool find getting him on the, getting him on the pod. But he was mentioning something just about like how we used to discover music back in the day before there was iTunes and Spotify. And I'm not very old, but I'm old enough to remember that. And it reminded me of uh, back in, I think, 2008, uh, I was trying to find some new music and didn't really know how to do that. I wasn't really... You know, I'm not old enough to remember when seven inches, uh, for seven inches to be a big part of my life. But I remember uh, thinking, well, Jimmy World is my favorite artist. I wonder what bands they like. And I looked up a blog post. I tried to find it. I couldn't find it. But a blog post that one of the members had written, maybe they all wrote it collectively. If not, it was probably either Zach or Jim. 
but they listed their 10 top albums of 2008. And uh, through that, I found some uh, insane artists um, that I love to this day. One of them was MA3. That was when their Saturdays Equal Youth uh, album had dropped. But their number one spot was this band called Fight and Rabbit, who have since, um, uh, sadly, the, the, the lead singer uh, passed away uh, a few years ago. But uh, but that's one of my all-time favorite bands, all-time favorite albums. And that was just, uh, it just reminded me, as you guys were talking about that, my ex- experience with finding new music was through Jimmy World and their blog, and they used to keep up, which is probably somewhere in the archives. Um, so anyway, I uh, just thought I would share that, uh, just kind of a fun little tidbit of just how much the band has influenced my musical taste and and uh, kind of your discussion about that reminded me of it. All right. Be excellent. Peace. And you found. Ah, thanks, Ben. Yeah, man. Thanks, Ben. And and you promptly found the post, right? I did. I did a quick Google search. And let me see if I can pull it up real quick because I uh, sent it back to Ben Foote. And I'm going to share this with you unless you pulled it up. So I've got the link up here. It's a so much silence.com post from December 28th of 2008. Uh, by Kevin, and I haven't been on the site. Uh, it looks familiar by the two bullhorns of their logo, but uh, I can't pinpoint right. it. So um, Kevin posted, this year I've asked a few Phoenix area musicians slash people of interest for their year-end, best of list, albums, songs, whatever. This installment comes from Jim Atkins, frontman for Jimmy Eat World, one of the state's greatest music success stories. The band working on its follow-up to 2007's Chase This Light will embark on an early 2009 on the Clarity 10 anniversary tour, Clarity X10, which concludes fittingly with the March 7 date at the Marquee Theater. So I'm sure these are all local. Which I was at. Yes. Um, Oh, the Marquee. I went out. I went out to. I saw them at the Nokia, and then I drove out to Phoenix and saw them there. Look at you. What a head. What a head. (laughs) <laughs> and just like Ben said, the 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 premier listing or the the first listing um in this is Frightened Rabbit, The Midnight Organ Fight, uh Fat Cat Records. This was my favorite album of the year. Such a great combination of writing and delivery. One of the best live acts I got to see this year as well. I'm really excited to see what 2009 brings for these guys. It was too hard to decide a hierarchy for the other, so consider them all a close second. And he just lists them um, in a like bullet point fashion of Ida, Sun Kill Moon, Calexico, Vampire Weekend, their self-titled album, Sigaros, uh, Little Joy, M83, Saturdays Equal Youth, there we go, and then French Kicks with their swimming album. And then he, he did a couple of, uh, or a handful of 2008 songs, uh, Sparkadia by Jealousy, The Walkman in the New Year, The Knot Twist by Good Lies, Calexico's Two Silver Trees, Sun Kill Moon's Moorestown, Land of Talk, Some Are Lakes. And then the track that he suggested from Frightened Rabbit was The Twist. That's really cool. So it wasn't on it wasn't on the band blog, but it was a. I mean, that's that's what he was getting at was that it was a blog, a music blog. Yeah, right. At least this is the one that I found that mentioned both Frightened Rabbit and yeah. Game eighty three, specifically the right. Saturday's Equal Youth record. Right. So, uh, did J- JMJ produce that M eighty three record? I don't I know. I just saw that he had produced their um the, the what was the next one? I'm it, it it's escaping me right uh, now. You know the one. <laughs> oh yeah midnight uh, uh it was hurry up with or midnight dreaming. city yes yes hurry up or dreaming yes yeah. 
Uh, so JMJ did not produce Saturday's Equal Youth. Right. It was just um, that that. But I do recognize this album cover because this is like every hipster's dream photo. <laughs> well, now I have to look at it. Let's see. There's a You in the Night, and then this has got to be older. So they're Hurry Poor Dreaming in 2011 set. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, they've got the lens flare from the sun off on the left. It's yeah, an outdoor with the- <laughs> uh, a crazy hat. Oh a yeah, flowy dress, a sleeveless <laughs> shirt, a skeleton costume. Like, come on. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know any of the songs on this record, but "Hurry Up Your Dream" "We're Dreaming" I love so much. Yeah, and, and we'll that get to that. JMJ joint. Yeah, abs- yes, that absolutely is, and I wanted to touch on that in a little bit, uh, which actually takes me into the the track "All the Way Stay." So, yes. so we've got Justin Meldel Johnson. This is his second. This is his second album with the band, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Did he Correct. did he do yes. Integrity Blues also? Did he do Integrity Blues? Yes. Yes. Okay. So it's Integrity Blues and Surviving, and uh, just to just to announce this song, this is when we were talking. I I can't remember if it was on five 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 or if it was on um, one mil, one of the two. But we just said how exciting. This song was to be if you're listening to this on uh, on the LP or the the uh, the vinyl. This is the side B track one, which is what That's right. a cool way. I'm holding my vinyl right now, dude. Man, what a cool way to come back into this when you flip that album over, man. So good. Oh. I'll bet you if uh, Jim talks about when he originally thought of doing the sax solo, that it would fade out like all the great '80s sax solos did right and it was so rad they kept the whole thing but i imagine fading outside a if they did fade out the sax solo would have also been an insanely strong way to end side a like, right oh yeah yeah <laughs> could you imagine but this is a nice kick to the face uh coming back into side b right and and just to put a name with with the instrument this is james king from fits of and the tantrums all right yes. so a well uh, a well pronounced saxophone player yeah, I came up with a ton of other stuff that he shows up on, at least on Discogs. Oh, I'm yeah. assuming is not him. And I have but. I have to bring this up, man. Um, so six months ago, uh, user MuttButt804, thank you for having such a, a fucking classic username there. MuttButt804, um, let's talk, with a title that is um, no less eloquent, let's talk about sax. <laughs> right? Uh, longtime listener, first time poster. I already love this guy. Going to my sixth show here in a few weeks. I just want to know if there will be a boss, be that boss sax solo in All the Way Stay. Can anyone confirm? I'm assuming he means on the tour, right? If this was six months ago. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Pebble Swift uh, uh, comes in with, I think occasionally they play Thinking That's All, but I haven't heard anything about Call It In The Air being played live. And then uh, Nez477 says, no, they ended all the way pretty quick. No sax, bummer. Um, and oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Pebble Swift was uh, actually the part two of this guy's question. But yeah, this was on, did they play All The Way Stay when we saw them um, at the uh, at the Greek? Oh, that's a good question. Let me take a look. You know, um, I... They've played the song 28 times. Uh, what's Oh, I was going to say Jim Atkins only one time, but that was for the stay at home show. Um, let's take a look. They played it 26 times in 2019. So I'll say that they did. But uh, I see uh, Jimmy Kimmel. We saw them before that, though. Yeah, right. No. Mm-mm. First time they played it was October 6th. And that was at the Crescent Ballroom when they did that very small show. 
um, local show. So no, we did not see them play this. Okay. Um, did you happen to come across the uh, Billboard.com article on this? Um, well, I guess it was just an interview Maybe. with Jimmy at World. So they asked, uh, your new single, All The Way Stay, has a big sax solo. How did that fit into the process? Uh, and then, I believe this is Jim. Uh, we always wanted to try this gag that happens a lot in 80s music. You get to the end of the song, and then this ripping solo of something that hasn't yet appeared in the song just kicks in and then fades yeah. out, right? Uh, and then saxophonist James King from Fits in the Tantrums came to the plate, and we just left it all in. That's pretty sick that yeah. they were planning on that. Just like you said, they were planning on having some unique yeah. instrument come in and probably was a saxophone that they just play out long fade out. But because James King played this sick solo in the studio, um, yeah. they had to keep it in. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and just to kind of take a step a, a little bit back to what we, we talked about with Justin Meldo Johnson with, with M83, so I took my sister to go see M83 at the Hollywood Bowl where M83... I was at that show. Yeah, you were. They played with the Hollywood Bowl Orchestra. That's right, with Beck's dad, didn't he? Yes, do the, uh... yes. Yeah. Yeah, so Beck's dad came out. Beck's dad is always the one, because De- Beck's dad also did Death Cab at the Bowl, um, which is probably the greatest concert I've ever seen. Um, uh, did Were you at that show too? I was not, no. Oh, okay, yeah, but Beck's dad did that uh, organization too, and Beck's dad also did the. Um, he did the if if we're going to tie it back into Jimmy Eat World, um, on invented the opening track. He arranged the strings for that. Right, and um, man, I I can't think of it right now. It's the uh, it's Johnny Resnick, his band. <laughs> Why can't I think of it? It's uh, it's Johnny Resnick's band that did. And I don't want the world to... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, so Goo Goo Dolls. The Goo Goo Dolls. Um, he arranged the strings in in that song for City of Angels. Oh, yeah. Which is sick. beautiful. And if you listen to... I know I always I always talk about uh, Christian James Hand's podcast about breaking it down. If you listen to that episode and him breaking down uh, Beck's dad's part that he did for the, for the, uh, the strings in the back, it's absolutely... Uh-huh beautiful it's it's gorgeous and i had to listen to it again and it's strings i'm sitting there going i'm on let's a give, i'm on a jog let's give dave david campbell yeah. uh a name but from now on he will still be back yeah dad, okay Beck's dad, aka david campbell yeah there we go david campbell, thank you for yeah. thank you for getting that um, yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> so anyway on that night uh they had uh james king come out at Hollywood Bowl and play this. And and I tried to, I, when I messaged my sister today, I said, hey, do you remember James King coming out doing the sax solo on Midnight City? Oh. And was he on his back? Was he was he, was he he that into it that he was playing the sax yeah, solo? Yeah, I, I buy it. Yeah, yeah right? Sure, I, I swear it. he was on his back playing the saxophone solo because he was just so into it, selling it. Uh, <laughs> and it was, uh, that the end to that was so beautiful. In that show... Justin Meldel Johnson's daughter came out and did, she did that. It was the, the lyrics over the song for M83. Do you remember that? It was, it was a, it, it was a song in French that says, tell oh, me a yes, story. Yes, 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 yes. That's my favorite song um, yeah. off that record and like a top 50 song for me altogether. It's a French uh, title. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's the equivalent uh, of tell the, me a story. Yeah. yeah. 
And uh, yeah. And so she came out and did it that. It would be great, and, right? Yeah. And she <laughs> stole the show for a lot of people. They didn't know who she was. But this is Justin Meldel Johnson's daughter that comes out. She's a performer. She's an actress. But it shows that she's she's just geared for the stage, comes out and does her her portion of this, um, and, and, and which I totally forgot about. <laughs> you know, going back, it's like, uh-huh. I was trying to, oh, it's her name is Zelly. And I was trying to talk to my sister about it. I was like, what do you remember about the show? Because this was 2013. So it was seven years ago. And there's so many shows in between. And yeah. you're trying to think, well, these, these shows kind of all start meshing together. And oh, so totally. her and I were piecing it together. And, and we remember just how well produced it was with um, the orchestra, M83. And then I think Fantagram was also there. They, uh, they opened. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, I mean, that was a killer show. Uh, but yeah, he comes out and plays the sax on that. So he has this, he's like, uh, he's the sax player in, in JMJ's back pocket that he, he's got for, <laughs> for these songs. And I don't know if, if Jim approached him and said, Hey, look, we're looking for something that that's unique. We want to, uh, I don't know if they had the track place at that point, but we're looking for something strong that we haven't done before, which also, yeah, which JMJ's also kind of like, ties in, no more. Which, yeah, which also kind of ties into the, the idea of the song, which we didn't really comment on yet. Um, which is, is essentially, it amounts to getting out, breaking out of your shell and just kind of being yourself. Right. Yeah. And I was bummed to find that song meanings had not one comment on this track. Oh yeah. Song meanings. And, and I guess you're right. Yeah. Also genius didn't. Yeah. Nothing uh, about well, yeah, they, they didn't uh, have much. I mean, I guess, and, and granted it, it is a, a relatively new song. It's, it's what? Six months old. Yeah. But even yeah, check this. I, I failed to mention this on our damage episode. Um, so this is a little bit, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's house cleaning slash part of this episode. But um, Mr. Grunge, um, one of the two comments on damage at the very end, the very last sentence that he uh, that he uh, he writes here is, "It's a shame." Song meanings you're going you're going deep down in a black hole with time. I made that oh, I made that note too. Right. And you week, didn't and you I didn't make didn't, it either. Like we both we both just glossed yeah. over it. It's in the show notes for oh, for we could talk about this. For our Patreon subscribers, <laughs> uh, we are on Patreon now, Jimmy Pod. Um, all of the show notes are now available to I think it's the middle and above, the middle tier uh-huh. and above. Um yeah. uh, and uh and so you'll see my note in there about it, but yeah, I for I neglected to mention it on the show. But yeah, it was and like me too. my favorite like <laughs> crash. I know, <laughs> right? It's just at the very end, he goes in a couple of paragraphs talking about damage, uh, and and being one of at that point two comments for at least another seven months, uh, and then just ends <laughs> with that. And then we come to this this episode where I was just immediately reminded of it, where there's not one damn comment on this. No, but there was like a big divide. Like in 2013, people kind of stopped posting on there altogether. Yeah, it is somehow still aggregating lyrics. Yeah. So it must, what we need to do is find where song meetings gets a lyric wrong and find what other song webs, lyric website has right. that same typo. Exactly. And we'll right. know that's where their API <laughs> is plugged into. Exactly. So not one, not one. I did find this. Go ahead. Um, this is as close as I can get to a song meaning because this is on songfacts.com. And it says the vulnerable rocker finds Jim Atkins extolling the virtues of showing people the real person inside oneself when he sings, honey, if you stay, hey, hey, we go all the way. But how am I supposed to know? Oh, no. When to let the feelings show. 
so that's you know that's as close as we get uh to a uh to a song meaning in the sense that it's commenting directly on a lyric um and then since we mentioned it uh wesley knows this song and loves this song he calls it feeling show oh so. yeah this is the feeling show <laughs> this is the feeling show yeah and it, it, it's not um it's it's not hard to find that uh you know many people because this was this is a big album for jimmy world so they asked him hey let's let's talk about let's talk about this song um there is a video clip that i came across where they actually talk about this um, but what it boils down to is Jim actually says is all the way stay extols the virtues of letting people discover the real you while exposing your vulnerabilities. Uh, and, and they explicitly said that in a statement. So it's, it, they're, they're trying to, you know, they're, they're not trying to be, uh, they're not leaving it in, in the, in, in the mind or the, in, in the brain of the, the listener. They're just saying, this is what the song is about. You know, this is, uh, this is a pretty, um, uh, a pretty, uh, transparent track. And it means it's just essentially being real to yourself and, and not living up to others' expectations or bowing down to outside validation. Uh, in fact, it was actually through NME, I think, that they talk about this. Do you want to hear part of that? That um, Yeah, let me copy this link, and I'll put this yeah, in Yeah, I our... saved a bunch of them, and they're in the YouTube playlist that'll go up. Okay. Um, so this is the band. I'll play the whole thing because it's only, it's only a couple of minutes, but they're talking about ex- explicitly this song. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We record all the time on our own and we save everything because you never know when something you're working on that doesn't pan out into a song you might cannibalize later because it it just something about it works and you can fit it in. The chorus for All The Way Stay was one of those things that just um, never seemed to work and we kind of put it away like a long time ago. When we were working on material for surviving we had the verse part of it, which was, you know, kind of like a start-stop thing. And then it was like, well, it feels like it should open up and kind of get going here, but oh, you know what would work is this crazy old idea that would, you know, and we just kind of took it, put it in, and it was like the same key, and, you know, the melody fit, and it just, it just worked. Who really says they hope they'll meet the one For the first time at a bar drinking early I think it's a, it's just sort of like one of those. It's just really fun to play, you know, because of like the um, all the negative space in like the verse section. It just feels kind of heavy, even though it's like a fun uh, kind of uplifting sort of tune. It's like the the heaviness of the start stop riff part is just fun to play. Like on the day we recorded it, we kind of like the way we record is, you know, we'll do the drums first and then the bass and then the guitars and then the vocals so like the days are spread out but i think just from a you know from a a drum perspective it's a fun rhythmic song because of like what jim was saying is like that negative space and that's the simplicity of just like the kick drum and the flams and the snare there always be some ripping like solo or lead that comes in right as your song is fading out so it's like uh, ah <laughs> um, but what James ended up, James from Fits and the Transforms plays sax on it. Like what he ended up doing was so cool is kept the whole thing. We were going to fade out. So now it's this like minute and a half just jam. <laughs> Everybody's trying to present themselves in a, um, 
maybe a heightened state of perfection, like with everyone, you know, all social media dating apps, you know, it's like you're, you're constantly trying to present this, this higher version of you. And when you get a chance to connect with somebody in real life, then you are constantly struggling to live up to that. And, um, you know, I guess, like I just said, the song is about like trying to lead with your authentic self because then there's no, none of that, uh, <laughs> trying to live up to some imaginary expectation that was never real to begin with. Man, that's, and so they, they explicitly just mention how important the, uh, the production quality of this was. And they talk a lot about yeah. negative space in this, which is, if if you're not familiar with this, they use this, or we use this in the graphic design as it, it's the absence of design work. It's the absence of color. It's the absence of shapes. Um, and if you ever want to look at this, you can look this up or look at the truck or the plane up in the sky. But the FedEx logo is a great example of this, where if you ever look at the X, the EX in FedEx, there's a forward arrow between the E and the X. And that mm. I use in my lectures to students and I should and I tell them that this isn't this yeah. is an intentional choice by them that, you know, as Federal Express, um, that they're highlighting this by using it as negative space. And they're doing this with music, with sound. And um, let me let me play a, a couple bars of All the Way Stay. I, does it sound like they're gating this like they're cutting it off? So it it, it sounds it, it sounds, you know, just overly cut off to you uh yeah the guitar tone you mean yeah like it is just stopped i i don't know if you i mean maybe you're if you're, you're a professional musician you can do this um but it sounds like in the production department they're making this sound just like completely totally cut off yeah. and then zach's yeah the, the flams man yeah man Get found in unlikely places. A little presumption's all you need to end up empty. Who really says they hope they'll meet the one for the first time at a bar drinking early? Easy enough to say, man, I'm done. And never hear them say, oh, honey, if you stay, hey. That is. <laughs> The buildup to that is just from the, it's from the whole first verse is the chunks. It is, yeah. It's just so chunky. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good salsa. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man. If that was a medium flit or medium spice, man, I'd be, I'd be all mm -hmm. over that. Um, Chef's kiss. Oh, dude. And, and, and looking at the lyrics, going out, we hope to lose ourselves, then get found in unlikely places. Um, I got to admit, man, on the next lyric, a little presumption's all you need. I thought he was saying a little prison's all you need and just be, oh. be, be, just be, you know what? Be behind bars. That's all you need. Just get back. It's not even yeah. jail, man. This is That's the next a good point. Yeah. <laughs> but a little presumption is all you need to end up empty. Uh, so yeah, going out, we hope to lose ourselves. Even in that first line, they're talking about get, you know what? Lose yourself in the moment. Take take this in the music the moment yeah you want it. oh dude yeah Eminem uh, Marshall Mathers go. thank you very much uh, <laughs> and and then get found in unlikely places I think what he's getting at is that it, you find yourself in in a new place in your life try something new you know 
you know what else that reminds me of the epilogue or the the prologue for um is epilogue or prologue what's the one that comes before uh prologue prologue the prologue of uh little shop of horrors you remember the little shop of horrors prologue monologue from the it was well because it was a stage it was a rod serling yeah it was a stage play Um, right but they so they had that correct yeah, I do remember it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he said the 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 last line of the prologue is uh, that this is found in the most seemingly innocent and unlikely of places. So that's what anytime anybody <laughs> says unlikely places, that makes that's me where your mind goes. Horrors. Oh yeah, with Seymour too, baby. As Audrey too, baby. <laughs> I'm sorry, feed me Seymour. I'm getting mixed up with my characters, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's man. Audrey too. I went to high school with the the original guy who did uh ron taylor did the voice of audrey 2 on broadway and his son went to high school with me and so when we did the uh production in at high school uh at hollywood uh he came in and uh this was before he passed he came in and like met with the cast and everything it was super cool so this wasn't levi stubbs anyway, so that's then. the or no, was levi it? stubbs it was actually like kind of dr- it was there was a little bit of drama around why like uh, the I don't know if Frank Oz didn't want Ron for a specific reason, or if you have the chance to get Levi Stubbs, you get Levi Stubbs. You right. Know what I mean? Right. Like, um, but, uh, Ron was a really cool dude. Um, and, uh, and yeah, my dad did the prologue voice for our production. Oh, sick. <laughs> and Audrey was a female in our show. Oh yeah. Audrey is a female. I right. Mean, Levi Stubbs or Ron Taylor or not. It's a female plant. So. Right. Hence the name she's Audrey. She's just a mean green mother. <laughs> yeah. Man, from outer song, space, yeah. and she's bad. <laughs> I oh fuck, I just forgot. I played guitar for like six weeks for a production of Little Shop of Horrors. And uh they gave me the shit music and I was like, I don't read music. And uh so I was like, I love these songs, I'll figure out the songs. And like, you know, the sheet music kind of has like little tabs before each chord. So I could kind of like, oh, this is a C. I know where C on a guitar is, so I'll play this. Right, and then, and then you get all the I, relative I mostly just notes. Played power, yeah, I mostly just played exactly. I mostly just played power chords and octaves. And what was cool is the drummer of that production was like he was kind of a punk guy too. So I remember during one rehearsal we played linoleum and we got yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> like um, what? Just quiet down. Stop. Stop being so yeah. Uh, raucous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But anyway, yeah. Uh, Little Shop rocks. Oh yeah, yeah. And I had I had watched it recently. Um, I think it was it was a few years ago when I was just kind of getting back into uh, acquiring videos, and uh, and I, I was just in that '80s mood. And I thought, you know what? I haven't seen this in a while. And and with the so one of the three, what it, what would it be? It was the it was the the triplets, urchins, the girls, the urchins. Yeah. yeah. So one of the three was um, and, and her name is. Uh, Tisha Campbell. Yes. From and Martin. And the other one right? was, was her friend from Martin. Yeah. Uh, the, the third one, I didn't know what she was from. But, right. But uh, those two were actually ended up being in Martin. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Very funny. Up, uh, her name. The other one. Yeah. Well, let's pull up all three of their names, but, um, and her friend was the one that Martin didn't like, right? She was the one that was always so kind yeah, of Tisha Arnold. Yeah. And then Michelle weeks. Oh, so Tashina Arnold, Michelle weeks, uh, and Tisha Campbell. So I'm assuming Michelle Weeks is the one that uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, that's where I go when I hear unlikely places. 
uh, but I digress. Right. Um, and actually, I like this line. As as uh, as bad as it as the the connotation is, I really like this line. Who really says they hope they'll meet the one for the first time at a bar drinking early? You know, which is I, I get yeah. it. Like you don't want to meet the one there, but maybe it's you know one of them, but not really the final one. Um, but I get that. I get that. It's just the idea of the song is like, let's say we're adults in this situation and you're not planning on meeting the one at a bar drinking early four o'clock. You know, it's it's before happy hour. You're there early. Um, uh, you don't want to meet. That's not where you're going to meet Mr. or Ms. Wright. Right. Yeah. And then it goes into this easy enough to say, hey, man, I'm done. That totally sounds I could totally picture Jim saying that. Totally. You know, if we're if we're playing uh, some kind of uh, board game or if we're playing, hey, hey man, I'm done. <laughs> I'm <Yep>. out. <laughs> um, to, then he leads into and never hear them say uh, this is the second instance, David, where where Jim has used the the term honey. The first mm. was recently we just did this in if you don't, don't. That's right. Yeah, if you don't well, honey, then you don't. It's so to me. And I don't know if anyone if this is if anyone's put off by this. But to me, the two instances that we've heard Jim say, oh, honey, is so endearing to me mm-hmm. that he, he I don't think there's any kind of negative um, approach. There's nothing creepy Yeah, about nothing. It. Oh, honey, if you stay. It's just, it's all endearing. It's all positive. Um, and then it goes into, oh, honey, if you stay, hey, hey, we go all the way. Where you could you could think of this in the, the gross tense, but you and I are uh, upstanding young gentlemen. <laughs> right. So I think that just means it, it goes back to what Jim was saying is that you go all the way. We're just going to be ourselves. You know what? Forget about what you think. I'm just going to go all the way and be me and not care what you think about <laughs> about uh, my personality or who I am as a person. I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to do 100. I got that meme. I got I get that that uh, not the meme. I, I get the emoji in my in my mind of just 100. Right. We go all the way, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we go. 100. We go 100. But you know what? They already took, uh, they've already got the numerical song in there, the uh, 555. So they couldn't, they couldn't make this 100. It's all the way stay. But the working title was 100, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, And and then uh, later on in this, in the chorus, they say, we take it all the way, which I think is a better uh, representation of the concept of the song. It's like, we take it all the way. We're going to take this up to, up to, up to our limit as a person. Uh, as our as our being, um, and then the, the last part of the chorus to take to heart is, and no one really knows, oh no, when to let the feelings show. So you're never really, no one's gonna know when to be a real person. So just let your feelings show. Just be that real person from the get go, and you're gonna save yourself a lot of time by just yeah. being you from the start. Yeah, it's kind of like the middle, but all grown up. Yeah, exactly. This is uh, this is the sophomore, the uh, the junior level, right? Yeah. I mean, we're way up. We're we're way up in the discography. This is this is their uh, late discography, but uh, yeah, absolutely. The concept is the same. Is this is the adult level? This is uh, going to college. Another great Blink song. Uh, yeah, which I was listening to just to give them a shout out. I was listening to Growing Up Punk today. They were talking about uh, Enema of California, <laughs> Enema oh, of the yeah, State the, of I California, did to that episode, which yeah. is great, by the way. Give give them a listen. That's a that's an excellent. Uh, I was yeah, so uh, I was talking to my buddy Eric, the one the one who's uh, who's at fault for getting me into Jimmy Eat World so many years ago today, 
And I was saying, hey, dude, you got to listen to this episode. It takes me back so far to <laughs> our time in high school when we were just like into our shenanigans. And he goes like, what kind of shenanigans? Oh, you know, late night runs to Carl's Jr. to get shit. Yeah, you know, that kind of stuff, man. Stupid things that kids did, right? Oh, the best. <laughs> the best. I soaked. I, uh, I guess the statute of limitations is out on this. Um, have you been to Century City uh, uh, not here in L.A.? I, I have been, yeah, in the past. So uh, CAA is right there, and there's a big fountain out in the middle of Century Park East, I think it is. Century Park, could be Century Park West, whichever one has the fountain in it. And uh, we were up late fucking around, and I was like, uh, I think they were talking about soaping fountains and like getting a bunch of dish soap and putting it into like plastic bags from Ralph's um, and throwing them into fountains. And I was like, oh, I know where there's a really big fountain. <laughs> so we roll up and uh, I drive a minivan at the time. So we slide the door, throw the bags of dish soap into the fountain and drive off and come back about 10 minutes later. And there's soap everywhere, <laughs> all over. And I think it's before, like, I mean, the Century City Mall was there but like not like it is today. It wasn't like a nice Westfield with like all, like it's all been redone and stuff like that. But uh, and it was one of those windy, windy like Santa Ana oh, yeah. nights. <laughs> so the wind was just blowing the bubbles everywhere. It was so tight. You didn't um, get any pictures? Man, <laughs> no, no. This was like 2001, 2002. No, 2002 or three. Um and uh man that was a blast <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that you're safe in saying that no one's gonna come back and yeah allegedly I you know there's allegedly. there's one uh there's one security guard that has been making it his life's work to find out God who is <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean here's the thing is like i drove a van with like huge stickers all over it like insanely identifiable stickers but you know nothing was like high def then like everything was all standard def and like oh yeah terrible <laughs> and like probably vhs <laughs> like <laughs> Oh, you know what? Which actually, it it brings me to another uh, question I wanted to ask you. Oh, so yeah. um, with the production of the video of this track, we have this music video. Yes, the music video with, for this, like Dak Shepard and like exactly <laughs> right. So this was uh, this was done by Daniel Carberry, which I you know I want to I want to go down these different uh, these different um, paths and find out who these people are that are involved with the band, and I see someone who was born in nineteen. 19- 90, David, March 6th of 1990. So this kid is 30 years old this year and has worked with huge bands. Bruno Mars, ridiculous. Justin Bieber, 30 Seconds to Mars, Dead Mouse, Jimmy Eat World, Dua Lipa's is like, I think the most recent big one. But this guy celebrating his 30th birthday this year and he's worked with these huge bands. So young guy directing this video. I have a question about this. So it, it, did you watch the video recently? No, so I'm, I've got it on on, on sound. Now, do right you now. remember um, por- portions of this are, um, you know, it, there's the male and the female uh, parts in this that they, they kind of focus yep. on. But there is like a VHS type quality to this. Now, as an editor, I ask you, do you think um, and the, I mean, we probably have to ask Daniel Carberry this, but do you think that they took a VH or took a VHS camcorder? recorded that footage and then brought it in? Or do you think that they are taking the, and he's shooting film. I looked at his stuff and he shoots film. So he's taking film. Do you think they take film and then downgrade it with an effect in post and have that on there? Cause it looked to me, it looked pretty authentic. Um, yeah. So 
I don't know this video particularly, but Simple Creatures did a video and the guys from Emo Night, this guy Morgan, he directed a couple music videos for Simple Creatures, one of which is a pop-up video style video uh-huh. that does have cutaways that are DV quality and they did shoot a DV camera. And they also have a few shots that are... Oh, uh, Blink-182 did a video uh, for California called um, Home is Such a Lonely Place that's Super 8, and they did shoot Super 8 um, for it, and they digitized it. However, Red Giant has a great VHS plugin, um, but there's there's something about the way some of the colors look that looks too good um, for it to be fake. So I would say that a lot of the shots are probably from a true VHS camera and some are modified in post. Yeah. And you think about what, what is the red giant? Cause I remember when I was doing after effects work and, and had to purchase like a red giant plugin for something when I was doing my, my McRubenstein uh, final project oh, for CSUN. So it's come a long way. Now they have something called red giant universe, which is a whole like stylized plugin pack. And it's subscription based. I'm sure. Right. Subscribe to. Right. What was that? It's subscription based, of course, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that seems to be the so the you pay model. like eighty bucks a year for you know technically one seat, uh-huh. but you know if you're on two different systems or you know, and you think about that, it, I mean, and, and you kind of weigh the cost. You can you can get the undisputable, authentic type of of capture where you are you buying. Let's say you go on eBay, spend fifty bucks to buy. Um, you know, something like an, a Hitachi where it's actually records to VHS. Yeah. You know, it's not like you go to the the smaller one, the mini DV or the, or the DV. You're going straight to VHS. Um, and then you also record the sound properly. So you've got the visual, uh, you've got that visual style that is absolutely VHS, but you've also got the, the sound quality that is 2020. Um, and and doubling those, it's like you think about the cost. It's like eighty dollars a year, or you spend fifty bucks and maybe thirty bucks on a, a something to to take it from <laughs> from analog to digital. And you can get, but you can say like Daniel Carberry can say, oh yeah, we got we this was actually shot on VHS. It's not like we did any kind of post. Um, you know, it's not like it's a huge gap in what you're spending on this stuff. I mean, Universe comes with a ton of looks, one of which is VHS and. It's possible that they're not even using Red Giant. They could be using Boris Continuum or something like that. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. This video kind of sucks. <laughs> you think so? So I've well, I, then so, I got a question about it. So the the video, um, why do you say it kind of sucks? So I got it really excited. So on September tenth, two thousand nineteen, on Chorus FM in the forums, Contra Eleven Mundum says. They're, uh, they're shooting a music video near me, Cleveland area, this Thursday and Friday. Calls have gone out for casting, extras, etc. Things are happening, folks. And uh, people are like, what? Where in Cleveland? And this guy says, uh... oh, somebody else said, oh, Minty 901's up in here. He says, yeah. you're signing up for it, I assume. I think it's strange that bands tend to put out singles with basic lyric videos and then release proper videos later. Song would get more attention if it came with a proper video from the start though i don't w- want that in this case because it would mean not getting the song for a while because i mean the album came out october 18th and they're only shooting it on september 10th ish well just to kind of uh to jump on uh what you said about it uh it kind of sucking is i remember when it debuted because it debuted i want to say a month 
was it a month before the track was released? The video came out before the track, right? Uh, or, well, or I'm sorry, maybe not the track. It was the uh, I, it was the the, the album release because the song yeah before album was released October 18th. The single was released September 23rd, 2019. Uh and the video was posted September 23rd, 2019. Yeah, so, so the video the video was quickly, posted September 23rd. Uh, release date of the album anyway, was October 18th. So just about a month before. I, was, I, I remember being so excited be and showing it to uh, to Lindsay. Although I and and kind of having a little bit of a letdown or, or somebody posted a kind of vibe the at the end of it. I still thought, "Hey, look, I'm so excited about this new album by Jimmy World." Um but you know, she kind of goes, "Oh, that's that's cool. That's kind of a cool thing, but it wasn't um it wasn't like when I showed Charlotte 555 and she just said, we want to watch that again. Daddy, show us, show us that, that guy with the people. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything as impactful as that. So I get what you're saying. Um, but it, I guess it had more of, it had more, I guess, kind of like a visual, uh, visual, cues to it there was there was more of a story to it than just that you know an overlord sitting there with his minions oh so i did find the casting call info so anyway go ahead oh i was mad why would the somebody i thought had said that the band was at the bowling alley and i might still find that going down this rabbit hole but since then i found the paid casting call for the music video um which shot september 12th and 13th 2019 here's oh, wow. the info and the characters are named brian husband now i have a feeling that the creative changed because there's quote unquote more characters so brian husband mid-30s white caucasian his face naturally looks a little sad amy wife mid-30s amy interesting choice uh white caucasian his face naturally uh her it's interesting it says his face naturally looks a little sad so they put the same thing twice um the legends (sighs) two one male one female legend hero should be in his and her 30s he she could have just moved from the middle of the desert or from brooklyn who knows but he's been to places and uh he's seen a few things he or she uh would never try to uh and be or look cool he she just naturally is it's not an act and he she is not aloof or isolating and he she's certainly one of the nicest dudes you've ever met Bouncers and restaurant owners think he, she is famous. He, she just has that look about them. Just always surprised by what he, she's into next. He, she's Margot Tenenbaum meets the most interesting person in the world in their 30s. The narrative should be a series of minor but unexpected things. A character in a Tarantino or Coen Brothers movie. Maybe he has a beard. She's a modern day Liz Taylor. Extra roles needed. Non-paid. Bouncer restaurant owner waitress general extras location is about 40 minutes east of cleveland send resumes headshots and contact info um whoa two comments <laughs> curtis r miller i'm definitely in my mid-30s and look sad <laughs> and then uh ryan salita says i can make a great bouncer so i'm gonna keep going down this rabbit hole because i'm pretty sure somebody posted a picture of the band at the bowling alley but um <laughs> uh let's see uh n N-C-A-R-R-A-B. N-Carab or... Incarab? Barrican. I was trying to see if it was backwards something. Anyway, 40 miles east of Cleveland. I'm like 30 miles east. I'm really interested in knowing where this is. What if they're shooting the video at my house? 
he says. <laughs> um, so now I'm going to, while you chat a little bit and pontificate, I'm going to keep poking around through these comments and see if uh, I can figure out where I remember this. Uh, oh, no, everybody's past the, so we're already past the shoot date. Wait, something definitely happened. September 12th. Let me go next. How does that make any sense? Um, okay, I can I can go ahead and uh, just talk about. Please, yeah. Yeah, there's, um, there it is. So speaking, so you're talking about these details of the casting call of this video. And um, there is a Ringer article that I actually, I've got post. I mean, I can't remember. I can't remember where I've linked it to in my notes in here. But I did reference this article. Um, there it is. And it was actually actually it was for the saxophone solo on All the Way Stay. Um, let me just go back to that real quick. The outro saxophone solo on All the Way Stay is about eight years removed from having any kind of anti-cool indie credibility, at least in a rock song. But it's a first for Jimmy Eat World. And it comes courtesy of the same dude who played the outro sax solo on M83's Midnight City. Uh, and then producer JMJ is the connection between the two. But earlier in this, Zach says, um, in regards to videos, because that's what we're talking about right now, um, Yeah, this article from The Ringer starts off by talking about videos like Pain, um, one that re- resembles Night at the Museum, Teens Hopes for the Future, remember <laughs> that? Ultimate being their ass kicked at Ultimate Frisbee. Uh, but Zach but that's Lynn says... That's Lucky Denver man. Yeah. And the, the Night at the Museum is always B. Right. <laughs> So Zach Lynn says um, he admits they've had clips for Sure and Certain and Love Never that got canned because they couldn't nail the concept. After paying for two videos that ended up in the scrap heap, Lynn figures, fuck it. It can't get any worse. <laughs> oh, and that's when they, they paid I want to see those videos. That's, and that's when they paid for, I know, right? That's when they paid for 555. Um, I don't know if 555 came before um, All the Way Stay. But uh, it was about that time when they just said, you know what, let's just uh, let's give it to um, we're going to give this to Daniel Carberry and whoever did. Did we talk about who did the 555 video? I don't remember if um, if uh, who was I on with that one? That was I think Blake. So. I follow yeah, Blake. I can't remember if Blake and I talked about that. Um, I follow the guy on Instagram. Let's see if I can quickly find this person's. I think it's like um, Goose. Gill or something let's see oh yeah maybe we did bring him up and and maybe blake did did mention him mike gill yeah that sounds familiar mike gill. and let's let's go i'm gonna scroll through his thread here and see if i can find this is all over the place but real quick um the project name that the all the way stay video was being shot under was called vision so it's vision mm. music video so people are like was that the original name of the song which doesn't really make sense given the song comes from the lyrics the title comes from the lyrics right or was vision a potential name for the album but surviving is a track on the album so it could just be a working name right so that casting uh, call it 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 um you said that it so ha- they shot 555 in october 2019 okay okay so same month as, as the release so this was after then yeah um yeah and this daniel carberry works on a pretty tight schedule so i don't know if they said hey look um you know, this was August, and they said, "Hey, look, we got a month that we want to release this video. Can you put it together?" Yeah, maybe that lent to probably maybe that lent to why it was. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to discount the video. I liked. I liked the video. It wasn't. 
it wasn't a an you know an eye opening video, but it was it was cool. And I think the the fact that that song is backing it, and they had the cool visualizations throughout it, um, really helped it to just kind of stay in my mind. Yeah. Right now, what do you get? So with with that, the casting call and all that, uh, kind of jumping ahead to the end of the video. What do you get? Because this is, I think, where the video, the, this is where the, the bow is tied, and they leave it up to uh, to the viewer at that point to, to kind of divulge what this song is about. What do you get from the plane taking off in the top half of this and the boat leaving port in the bottom half of the, of the frame? Uh, they just go their separate ways. Right. So they I were mean, never, yeah. I mean, in, in watching the video, they were never... Uh, they never interacted, or maybe they were. Uh, I can't remember if they interacted at the at the karaoke place, but um, they essentially went their own way. They decided to both, you know, go their own way and and do their own thing and be their own people. Essentially, is that what you gather from the end of that and then that last the last few frames? Yeah, I of guess that? that makes sense. Yeah, right. I mean, that's what I'm gathering from this is is, is that look, they've already they've already explicitly said, look, be real to yourself. Um, don't don't do anything because you're worried about what other people think uh and that's what i gathered from this was like okay this is kind of a cool story um you know you've got what three minutes to put together a music video and they've got these two people kind of doing their own thing going through their own experiences in this small town and then by the end of it they're they don't fall in love they don't do their own thing they just go on their own way one guy flies up in a in a plane and the other person uh takes off in a boat I mean, that's what I'm gathering from this. Yeah, but yeah, I won't argue. It. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, what does it remind me? It reminds me of uh, that scene in Goodfellas where they're looking at the uh, they're at Joe Pesci's mom's house and they're looking at the art that she drew. It, and it's it's a man in a boat with his dogs. And they're like, look at this dog's looking one way and this other dog's looking the other way. And he's looking at you like, what do you want from me? <laughs> So I always say, like, whenever things are going their own way, I always say, what do you want from me? <laughs> oh, man. Now, you know who we've uh, we've mentioned who has been highlighted on this album before, but really didn't give her uh, her proper yeah. due diligence is uh, I just I just paused her right when we were listening to the chorus. But Rachel Hayden comes in on this. I'm nodding my head as I yawn. Absolutely. Yes. There we go. My man. Now, so when we originally mentioned Rachel Hayden, I think I had said that uh, she was featured as the female lead in Songs from the Black Hole, which is the uh, unfinished rock opera by the great band Weezer. The Weez. The Weez. And uh, so she's been, and that was in the mid-90s. So we're talking 25 years ago. Right. That she's been singing with with, you know, and at that point she was in uh, that dog. Have you ever heard that dog? No, but I that uh, the, we brought them up because they played that benefit concert at the Palladium with Weezer for uh, uh, Michael and Carly. Oh, OK. So they, they were there. So that is actually yeah. uh, that that band. um I think there's four members in it, but it is actually Rachel Hayden and Petra. So when I was looking at Rachel Hayden's information, I found some really cool stuff. So she is actually one of uh, three triplets. So there's Rachel Hayden, Petra Hayden, and then Tanya Hayden, all born on October 11th. Uh, I want to say 1971, something like that, right? Uh, 
so all, all born all in this at the same time. But there is actually a very rich musical history uh, behind them. Uh, the, so her dad or their dad, Charlie Hayden, was a double bass jazz musician, a prolific one, like a very well known one in 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 the jazz world. Is huge. What's so, a double bass? Is it double like bass even is the upright, than... essentially the upright bass. Oh, okay. Right. So it's an upright bass. So the the, it, the essentially the enormous cello, right? The 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 grand sure, cello. Okay. Um, but preceding them, uh, so her dad, her her pop pops, so her dad's dad, uh, grandfather Carl hosted a show called the Hayden Family Radio Show in like the early 1900s. So she's got a lot of musical blood in her family. Um, so she's been singing uh, or, or performing with her sister Petra as well as her, her sister, Tanya. Guess who her sister, Tanya, is married to? Uh, Giovanni Ribisi. Very close. Jack Black, my friend. Oh! Yes! Huh. Jack Black. And uh, I want to say it was a year ago, maybe two years ago, that I started watching... Uh, did you ever watch his YouTube channel that he had just opened up? And no. Yeah, so he just up and opened it up, and it was called Jablinski Games. And his whole <laughs> his whole idea was that he was gonna he was gonna do online gaming, and but it was really a project for his son. I think it was his eldest son that uh, that he said this is uh, this is my son's gig. There was one episode that I watched. I watched a handful of episodes, and uh, there was one where they took them, his kids and his family to. It was somewhere in Hollywood or or Beverly Hills, maybe Beverly wherever they live, and it was kind of like an arcade. But he was just treating his family to that that evening or that afternoon there. They were getting, I don't know, lunch or something, and they were playing games. But it just seemed like a fun atmosphere. And I thought, there's no way I could be that fun with my kids. Like, like <laughs> JB has got such a carefree attitude. And I think, what kind of, what kind of family life does he have there? And, uh, and with, when, I, when I look at his wife, Tanya, it makes sense. They they met in they went to a private school in Santa Monica met there and then ended up uh, dating and getting married in like the mid two thousands I think I think they got married in two thousand eight uh, and then right and then from there it's just they've had their two kids and uh, I actually have it queued up so this is this was the intro video to <laughs> Jablinski Games which I'll, I'll play here for you Hey what's up it's me Jack Black. This is my new YouTube channel, Jablinski. It's gonna be bigger than Ninja. It's gonna be bigger than PewDiePie. So what's Jablin, Jables? It's PewDiePie! I think you've made it when you're wearing jeans with a t-shirt and socks with gold tips. Um, and your and your son, and your son's making videos of you uh, for fun, right? Hell yeah. <laughs> um, but I also so I went I went a little bit deeper with with Rachel Hayden and her and her sisters, the triplets. So she actually has a band called the Hayden Triplets, and they did a a tiny concert. And I want to ask you this, man. So um, are you feeling uh, are you feeling like something a little bit slower? Or something a little bit more up tempo as far as uh, as sound goes. 
I want to hear up tempo. Okay, here we go. Good, good call. So this is they played a Tiny Desk concert, the uh, the Hayden Triplets. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's actually they did four songs. Very, I mean, it's only I think forty five minutes. It's it's well worth maybe not even that, but it's well worth a watch. So this is this is Tiny Broken Heart from their uh, the the NPR Tiny Desk concert, and uh, so aside from a little flub at the beginning, they got a beautiful harmony. Okay, so here is Tiny Broken Heart from the Hayden Triplets at the NPR Music Tiny Desk Concert. So that's Rachel in the foreground, and then Tanya in the middle, and then Petra, Petra on the far side. But beautiful harmony, right? Totally love it. Oh yeah, love that, that folksy vibe. Absolutely, the the American, the original American country sound that they got from their dad, uh, and then who who essentially got it from his dad. But very cool that uh, that she's so involved in music that I mean their whole family is surrounded in it. And if you go through. Um, if you look through, I think each one of them have a Twitter account. So if you go through either Rachel's, Petra's, or Tanya's, you'll see a lot of what they've posted uh, about their their dad and their family history with music. So they're very involved in it. But I thought that was really cool, and I was I was grossly mistaken on the time. It's only about fifteen minutes for their NPR show. <laughs> so yeah, I was gonna say that's really long. Yeah, I know, right? Concert. It's like they're really they're jams. they're a progressive rock <laughs> triplet uh, <laughs> band, but no, it's actually yeah. they're really good. So I, I think it's it's good that we we mentioned that uh, you know because we haven't really gone in in depth about Rachel Hayden and, and her family, but uh, very cool yeah. that she's she's married. I would love to uh, one day meet Jack Black, and then uh, by proxy just meet uh, Tanya and say, hey, your wife, man, she seems really cool. Uh, yeah. If you go to, yeah. Oh, and another thing is that, um, did you watch uh, Walking Dead? No, I couldn't at make all? it through it. You couldn't no. make it through it? Okay, yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> that, uh, and not because see. it was gory or anything, but I found myself checking my phone during the pilot, and I was like, this is not a good sign. Oh, really? Yeah, that's yeah. pretty bad. Um, uh, but 
Here it is. Uh, let me see this. Uh, let me find this. Uh, I thought I had this queued up. This was, um, so if you watched Walking Dead in season seven, which is pretty deep. I mean, my, my wife and I are pretty deep in this. Uh, we have, uh, we watched, I think it was the third episode. And this was, in this season, it's when Negan is still, I think he's still got his his legacy going. He's got his little area. And he is trying to uh, torture um, one of the main characters. And he plays this song called okay. Easy Street. And it's actually, let's see, this is Petra Hayden's band that's doing this. We're on Easy Street. And it feels so sweet. Because the world is but a treat. And you're on Easy Street. And we're breaking up a good champagne. We're sitting pretty on the gravy train. And when we sing every sweet refrain, repeats right here on Easy Street. So Negan's concept is he's going to take. Uh, he's going to try and break Daryl down by playing this song. So he comes in every day and says, Daryl, you've broken down enough yet, essentially. You're going you're gonna to give me, tell me where your, you know, your squad is. And then at the end of their conversation, if he doesn't give him the answer, he plays this Easy Street song. And oh. essentially it becomes like the entire episode is just this happy-go-lucky Easy Street. We're on Easy Street. But it's actually Petra Hayden's band that uh that plays oh. this it's the collapsible hearts so they're they're very they're very involved in music that family uh and like yeah not even a little bit it's not like oh okay they're cute yeah like, they are that can sing that's nice for them no yeah. they're like accomplished in their craft. yeah they are very accomplished singers and they're entrenched in the music and uh, you know of their of their forefathers i'm bummed that rachel's not all that active on twitter i just gave her a follow from the podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Her sisters but are. She probably won't see it in like two years. Yeah, I think she's more involved. If you go to, I think I looked at. Uh, you, know, you try to find some back backstory on these people, and there's Rachel is very disconnected from uh, from the media as far as her personal life goes. So yeah, she may have the Twitter account, her. but yeah, right. Maybe she's a better person <laughs> for it. Better than I. <laughs> right now, um, we watched the NME interview. Did you have anything from the community on the subreddit about this uh, about this track? No, but I did want to talk about a couple things before we get there, which is sure, man. You, the first time you heard the sax solo, you didn't think it was a sax. No, I didn't. And in um, fact, um, somebody had recently posted a question about that, and I made that point well known. I said, hey, look, man, when I heard this, I didn't even know this was a saxophone. It sounded like... It, it kind of, to me, it sounded like a uh, a guitar that was just drowned out. I don't know if that's... So I'm going to play you a song by... So I also want to talk about bands, like your favorite sax solos in bands <laughs> um, <laughs> or in music. And I'm going to play you... Let me see where it is in here. 340 on this. So I'm gonna, let me paste this in here. Let's see. 340, maybe. Far off was I? Not far off. Okay. Is it playing on your end or no? No. There it goes. There we go. Like this type of guitar sound where it's like... Go to guitar. Oh, this is like Uncle Jesse, man. Oh, I didn't know that was a sax. It's not a sax. 
this is a guitar, but it made me wonder like, oh, I wonder if that's the type of set, the type of guitar he was thinking that kind of like maybe you could hear a sax line and think, oh, it actually sounds like that type of guitar. Oh, yeah. That sounds like uh, Uncle Which, Jesse giving his heartfelt uh, speech oh, for the episode. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, dude. So the right? reason I bring up this band, The Midnight, is because they have one of my favorite guitar solos. Um, so let me play you a little bit of that. Um, it's also by the by the band The Midnight, and it's their song called Jason. Are you familiar with The Midnight at all? I can't get enough. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, sick. Keep Now, do they have their own saxophonist? So I went and saw the midnight uh, last year in like March or April, and he steals the fucking show. The midnight's really only two guys, Uh but they had a sax player come out and play with them. And holy shit, like he's like wireless. So he's running through the crowd. He's got like bras hanging out of his saxophone and shit. (laughs) Oh, man, this guy owns the song, like owns the whole show. It's so good. (laughs) <laughs> uh, um and then the other thing go ahead no is he 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 doesn't have i mean I, i'm totally getting uh hooked on this he's not the saxophonist from from the like the the southern california memes right from like 10 years ago remember that guy that would walk into you you could pay him and he would come into uh, you know i think it was tommy and chelsea that got engaged and he paid this guy to come in and play that sax solo. You know the one that it was um, uh, Careless Whisper. It wasn't him, oh, is it? It's right, not the Careless right, right. Whisper saxophonist, right? Not in the midnight anyway. No, no. okay. Because I imagine that guy. That guy is just he, he's he's all about the image. I mean, he's a great saxophone player, right? Yeah. But he was just more about the image. And when you when you said he had bras hanging out of his his saxophone, oh, yeah, that's no. what I went to in my mind at least. So now I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play another iconic sax. Uh, solo. Are you familiar with the movie The Lost Boys? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Dude, tell me you remember this scene on the boardwalk when they go to the Oh, this is Santa concert. Monica. But where's uh, the boardwalk? No, this Santa, is Santa Cruz. Uh, Santa Cruz. Yes. Oh, <laughs> so good. Oh There's my so much gosh, fire. yeah. I think he played four notes and then he just kind of uh, hit, thrust his hips for the, the remainder. I absolutely love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love this movie so much. Uh, I was going to say, is there any uh, sax songs? Because so, they're very much referencing, like they they had this song shelved as like, uh, uh, not shelved, but uh, a pinned as like a move that the boss would do. And they, I think the working title was like the boss or something like that, where they were trying to give like an homage, pay homage to like, Oh, they even mentioned right. In one of the videos that I watched, uh, the saxophone player, uh, for Bruce Springsteen. Um, right. But and I, I tried to find, I tried well to enough, find, I figured that's, yeah, I, I couldn't find a direct 
reference from the band saying we intentionally wanted this to be like Bruce Springsteen, like an homage to them. They did. They have mentioned Bruce Springsteen in regards to other lyrics that they actually wrote, but not in regards to this saxophone solo. Um, I think they were just in this case, the band was just looking for something that was that that fit the fit the mold that they were looking to to fill. Um, and then it ended yeah. up James King ended up just killing it, and they said we're going to keep the whole thing. But James King happens to just play in that uh, style that would that would completely fall in line with with the boss and Bruce Springsteen. Absolutely. I mean, you listen to the first time I heard this guy play was that it's that rolling intro in Midnight City at the at the very end. You know, th- oh, yeah. three minutes into it, which I think I do have. Let me see if I have this queued up. So yeah, if I, I have wonder, Midnight I'll bet City, it's not far, hard to find that performance. Um, let's look for well, the let one me see, from Midn- 2013. If I go to midnight, yeah, go ahead. See if you can find it um, before before I jump in. But the the sax solo in Midnight City comes in at three minutes, and the song ends at four minutes. So that's one entire minute of saxophone sitting there laying down this uh, the sexiness. Which you know when we, when you and I were there at the bowl, yeah. Totally channeling Dave Cause and Kenny G, baby. Yeah, man. for him to go on his I back. I know, I was mistaken. He didn't get on his back, but it What a punk. I, <laughs> it fits. I mean, it fits the it fits the scene. Totally. I could totally I He should have totally done the Marty McFly across the stage. Oh yeah, absolutely. You you know what? Your kids are going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pull up something while we're t- chatting. The uh so there was also a Reddit thread uh from 7 months ago uh with from Lambo I can't recall any Jimmy World song featuring a saxophone ever. I'm really liking the new sound. Any insight into what's influencing the band? And Ella Bella Medella, thank goodness, has a, uh, she chimes in with this. Considering Zach's obsession with Phil Collins, all I could think of was Sue Studio, right? I had no idea that Zach was obsessed with Phil up until, did you see the the post that he had uh 
he linked to Leland Sklar. Have yes, you, have you I seen... watched that. It was right after we recorded last week. Right. So I, f- I fell upon Leland Sklar's stuff a week or so before Zach started posting it, but it doesn't make any difference as to who this guy is. If you're not familiar with Leland Sklar, he is the, uh, like the travel. He, so first of all, he is a, uh, a session musician, a session bassist, but he also toured with uh, James Taylor and Phil Collins playing live. So if you watch his videos, he'll give a bit of a story backstory onto, you know, the, that particular sound and then what Phil or James would be uh, asking of him. And then he'd go and he goes and plays the bass along with it, which is so fun. But dude, he's a CSUN album, man. He's one of our boys. What? Yeah. Oh, snap. That's when Phil he Matador. met James Taylor. And James Taylor said, hey, look, you play bass. I don't know if they met at CSUN, but it was at that time. And he said, hey, you want to come play um, some live gigs with me? And then he gets that. He plays so well that he takes them on the road with him. And then he gets with Phil Collins. And, you know, now Zach's watching Leland Sklar play bass on uh, YouTube. <laughs> and I've subscribed to this guy. I mean, he's, I mean, he, it's a fun watch. He's got a lot of, he's it into hot rods. Watch, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's a, he's a, he's a cool guy and grew up in the Valley. So he's, he's a Valley guy too. Oh man, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so this is what I wanted to play. I absolutely love the first few Katy Perry records and this one, this song, uh, last Friday night that has Kenny G playing saxophone in the, in the music video. <laughs> I don't think Kenny G played it on the album. Because isn't he like, he's not a sax player. He's like a... Well, he's a soprano sax player, but then, and, and oh, so okay. it's it's essentially, it's the same notes that you would play. They're just, it, it's essentially on a, like a clarinet sized uh, saxophone. Interesting. I want to see if he played on TGIF, uh, the song. Here, I'll play a little bit of the solo because it's still a ripping solo and a great song. <laughs> Well, the, that's definitely alto sax. So. I well, <laughs> so that is an alto sax. That is like the the proper looking saxophone. So he normally, when you when you hear his earlier stuff, he was playing the soprano, which is like the one that looks almost like an oboe. Um, uh, I mean, but, but again, I mean, he can play any one of them. I had no idea an alto sax could even go that high, and I think that's <laughs> that's a testament to his skill because you've got to a lot of these instruments that you play, trombone, any kind of like brass. Uh, woodwind all that stuff they can hit those notes but damn if it doesn't take power and uh, skill to actually hit the damn notes you know, right yeah. because there's there's a lot of force coming out of your lungs that you got to blow the wind across either the, the the reed or or the the hole in there and that was pretty sick i, I love so lenny pickett plays the saxophone on tgif tgif um and he is the uh, the guy that plays the SNL theme. Yeah, Lenny Pickett and the Saturday Night Live band. Like he was like the late nineties, yeah, uh, early two thousands, right? That's when he took it over. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I don't know a ton about him, but yeah, he's the musical director for SNL. Right, and I want to say that he, as the musical director, I want to say he played a baritone sax. If you ever seen him when he's leading the band, he's 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 doing the the bottom end of that. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess. Yeah, so Kenny G plays sax in the video, and Hanson plays the house band. Oh, sick, man. It's a great video, and Corey Feldman's in it, Debbie Gibson, and it's tough. Dude, what, what a nod to uh, to good uh, characters in our in our childhood, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, yeah, let's see. Was there any other sax stuff I wanted to bring up specifically? I don't think so. I don't know anything else about... Oh, I did... 
find the all-time best list of sax solos, but there's so many songs. Right. Um, it says top 10 saxophone solos in pop and rock, but it's just, they don't list it, and it's just a bunch of uh, videos. I suppose, do we dare, like, click through a couple of them, or? Mm, I don't know. That's up to you. I'm going to leave that at your discretion. <laughs> well, well, they might have the boss in here, so that's why. They I, might. While the saxophone oh, is most commonly drop. used in classical and jazz oh, music, man. many pop and rock musicians have adapted there to is. hit number seven <laughs> on the Billboard Hot 100. The dramatic pause just before the sax kicks in prepares us for Get a Get out of here, talking guy. <laughs> number eight, money. Pink. There's too much talking. Oh, here you there go. he is. Number There's the three, boss. Born to Run, Bruce Springsteen. Give it up for the boss. No, now is the song. Get out of here. I, uh. <laughs> oh, there he is, man. I don't know any. I mean, I know Bonner and Love. I don't know this first song. I, uh, I, I find myself for that uh, Bruce Springsteen solo, I, I always find myself mouthing that one going. <laughs> so good. Oh, it is, man. It, it's hard not to get into it with the. Uh, he's got such a cool band, man. That E Street band. I saw them once, and uh, I feel like they there was like a song they didn't play or something. I was like, how are they not going to play this song? Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't remember what that was now. Well, yeah, I I, I don't want to get into it uh, in this episode, but I, I you know I I feel like uh, Bruce Springsteen has a uh, a mediocre voice. He's got a like an American voice, something that the people will love, American but he doesn't voice, have. Man. Right, he doesn't have a stellar voice, and yeah. uh, and chastise me for that. But uh, that's how I feel about Bruce Springsteen. Is that uh, maybe that's why Adam Sandler can mimic him so well, right? Because he's <laughs> yeah, he's got that uh, that all American middle of the road voice. Ralph Garman but did got- a good uh, or does a good Bruce Springsteen, and uh, I think it was one of the Kevin and Bean Christmas CDs. He did like a a version of uh, of. Uh, a Bruce Springsteen song, and I feel like it was about like killing a hobo or something like that. Like <laughs> terrible. This guy was begging for change. <laughs> yeah, it's always a story, and then they get into the the chorus, and then it becomes the song, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah. Uh. So yeah. Get it going into what's it called? Uh, community. No, I don't have community. I don't have covers. I don't have anything. Yeah. Real quick, I wanted to touch on the the post from Drew Hale. Uh, seven days ago. Uh, okay, guys, can we have an honest discussion about the sax solo on All the Way Stay? Is it cheesy? Is it brilliant? What are your thoughts? And uh, they do actually have Zoe Rice, who I've I've conversed with before, posted a wonderful gif of the uh, the saxophonist who I was talking about from uh, <laughs> Careless Whisper. Uh, oh yeah, in one of the videos. But uh, the majority of the people in this. They say that it's actually so far out of the box that it makes it cool. Right. You know, and I had to chime in and say that uh, I felt that I I had a tough time listening to uh, understanding that it was actually a, a saxophone to begin with. But a lot of the people who understood that it was actually a saxophone to begin with uh, said that it's brilliant. Um, yeah, it's it's so far beyond or out of the mold of Jimmy World that this has actually become acceptable and uh, and that we love it, so it's uh, generally accepted by the uh, the the foundation of fans. Okay, 
there's a couple of cheesy for me, a couple of I don't like it, it you know, could have gone without it, but good on the record, not so good at a gig. Um, but they also said, the band said they were converting it to guitar anyway because they couldn't tour with a, uh, right, with a yeah, saxophonist yeah. anyway. So anyway, that's all I got for the community. Um, did oh, you? F- uh, I do have one thing for community. Go ahead. And it is our boy, Jake T. O'Donnell. Yeah, baby. He's got it in his top 100, uh, upper uh, side of the list, uh, 80 and above. Take a guess. Okay, I'm going to go with, I mean, this is a strong one. I'm going to say, if you're going to say 80 and above, I'm going to say 87. 82. Oh, man. He says, the most recent song to appear on this list is the first dedicated single from Surviving. The band announced their 10th album and debuted All The Way Stay this year on September 23rd, which happens to be Bruce Springsteen's birthday. That's appropriate because All The Way Stay could easily be a super poppy Bruce song, all the way down to the unexpected yet perfect Clarence-esque sax solo near the end. I'm almost 100% positive All The Way Stay is the first Jimmy Eat World song with a saxophone, and it's indicative of the chance chances the band is still willing to take uh this late in their run it also features the return of their longtime collaborator uh collaborator rachel hayden whose voice pairs perfectly with jim's and who we will hear from many more times on this list um and it makes me remember so he mentions out he's pretty sure that there's no other jimmy world song with the saxophone and we mentioned in the butch vig uh we talked about butch vig some interview he did and he talks about tom's sax work on right. the record that they were working on <laughs> right right and jim mentions that this had sat around for a while i wonder if there was a version early version of this song that always wanted to have a sax solo on it and tom was like dicking around with a solo on this with butch vig and still couldn't figure it out so i'm going on record right now to say there's two things if i ever came in contact with jim and we we're having a nice idle conversation i want to ask him two things and both actually have to do with Tom, fun, funny enough. <laughs> so one is, is there, uh, is there a recording or something that uh, that we can get of 17 in that alternate fashion that's uh, that's played oh, on yeah. Never Been Kissed? The demo? And, yeah. yeah, the <laughs> demo. Is there a way we can get a copy of that? And then the other one is this, can we hear Tom playing the saxophone <laughs> in, yeah. in yeah. any regard? Just the stem. I don't want to even hear the song. Yeah, on. man. Doesn't need no context, nothing. I just want him playing saxophone. That's it. Yeah. So totally. I mean, that's a, if I got nothing else, I'm at least that's going to be in the back of my mind. If I if I go on full uh, full, you know, like uh, I'm breakdown mode where I you know I have that uh, I, I freak out because I'm in, in uh, the same room as Jim. I mean, at least have those two things. Uh, right. I have Tom questions. <laughs> Sorry, Jim, but I have Tom questions. <laughs> um and so yeah that is uh that's all i have in terms of community um i can tell you that this is in g major with a camelot of 9b and a bpm of 134 and again i was too lazy and did not do a mix but i did play around with playing it along with something else and it did kind of work even though the bpm didn't work so one of these days i'm going to use tune bad and actually make a mix sick man now before (laughs) uh before we jump into any kind of covers i did have um this is sick man i love drum cams i just wish it had a better mix of the sound this is zach's drum cam oh, right yeah, yeah, yeah from them all the way stay so i'm gonna play a little bit of it but i had no idea man how much drums shake <laughs> and i guess the bass is solid I, they've got the the snare, the toms look pretty solid, but it just seems like everything is just 
jiggling around. <laughs> and you think for like a 45 an hour set that something would just kind of move away. Yeah, a lot of times they have them bolted down. Yeah? That's a thing, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's on like a, a grid, like a, not a grid, but like a grate. Oh, that's sick. Sometimes. I don't know that that's, that's I don't know if that's always, but especially because they'll roll the drum riser in as one piece. So it just makes sense to bolt everything down. Right. Yeah. And it also makes sense for when the, the headlining band has their drums set up behind the opening band. Right, right. And, and their stuff, they don't have to do any kind of movement. It's already been tuned. Uh, the sound's been set up, but I mean, it's cool to see this this shot. You're looking at these two these two ride symbols or, or crash symbols on the right, and there's these divots in it, and you wonder like, what yeah. kind of sick show was Zach playing where he just hit it so hard that he made a dent in this thing on Pass this the baby. part? Yeah, right. Oh, this is such a cool shot, man. Just think you're behind the band watching this stuff go down. Oh, that's so cool. So, yeah, I just had so to put good. that in there. Very cool. Oh, uh, I did send you a link, and I wanted you to play it. So uh, it's pulled off of uh, the interwebs, but we have ways. Um, but the when they played it at Kimmel, uh, yeah. what's-his-name did come out and play sax with them. So, uh, unfortunately, James sorry. James King, baby. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't pull the um, the timestamp, but if you look in your messages and click on that link, you know, it's two-thirds of the way through. <laughs> two thirds of the yeah, I got it. Okay, two thirds of the way through. Here we go. This is him. thanks jim dude so good oh boy (sighs) and you know what else i found while i was doing a bunch of research uh is boy do people like playing this on guitar oh my gosh don't they guitar hero or rock band or like especially on drums yeah so many drum covers of this which is very cool to see people playing this it's not an easy song to play um it sounds i mean it's a fun song to play but it is not easy especially when they get into the verse part and you got that doom doom ka ka doom doom ka doom doom ka ka doom doom ka doom. It yeah. uh, but it yeah, it's fun to watch. And what's funny is if it exists on Rock Band, how come nobody's uploaded the stems yet? Right. I guess at least that's a big thing in the Blink community, and maybe it is in the Weezer community, is that people like 
live for like when they come out on those platforms to just well it just seems like it step. would perpetuate the 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 song in their uh, their band was it that these people are taking these and and just like we did with the uh, action needs and audiences I, I mean i know that that was a production level but they had four different versions of this song that were completely reproduced with yeah yeah those individual stems there and it made such a difference that they weren't taking like a remixed version of the song yeah so yeah, I started pulling them and I was like, oh, this is fun. And then I got to like the 20th one and I was like, oh, no thanks. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I could only find one cover and she is actually very worthy oh, of I'm featuring her. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, is this uh, Emma Kononov? Kononov. Yeah, Emma Kononov. So this is the only uh, acoustic cover of All the Way Stay that I could find. And uh, I think she has quite an angelic. Well, the only cover in general, right? Right. <laughs> quite the angelic yeah. voice here. Dude, give Emma Kononov some love, man. That was really good. She's got good. a Love Never cover, too. Yes, she does. That came up as a little suggestion, so we're going to have to listen to her when we do that episode, man. I forgot. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I found a cover on Bandcamp. I don't know. Oh, if you saw dude, I one. absolutely did, and I have a note for that one, David. I want to hear. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was actually a so, little surprised. Sexy music by Oh, dude, KTO. this is it, man. So this is it. Okay, KTO, let's hear what you got going on. This is KTO, baby. Um, KTO Music 2. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think that James King could do a treatment on Yakety Sax that would be like the the end. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. there's no better there's no better cover <laughs> of so Yakety good. Sax. <laughs> Hold on, let's see if James King <laughs> Yakety Sax. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want to discount Emma Anakonov's performance because that was beautiful. But uh, yeah, I mean, no, it was funny that you and I James both came King. across Yakety Sax. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's terrible. Oh, my gosh. Hold on. Is this him doing it? Hold on. There's no way you found James King doing Yakety Sax. <laughs> oh, did I? You're kidding. Here we go, baby. No way. <laughs> Oh, oh shit. Dude, ask and ye shall receive. Holy shit. There's like 90 people on this stage. Take them off. We encourage that. Much of a really hot in here, so just go ahead. <laughs> Dude, you're kidding. <laughs> Answer this, right? It's so good. Like, I can't not listen to it. Oh, man, I love live music. Dude, they got a slide oh, whistle boy. player. Dude, they nailed it. Oh, absolutely. That was that sick, man. That was posted by Mike Wescomello. Yep. Yakety Sax performed by James King on the tenor sax. Oh, dude. Uh, Thank you. But no one is saying what band this is. So Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Well, uh, if you know what band this is, 484-JEPOD, let us know who that is. <laughs> yeah, subscribe to our Patreon where we'll play more <laughs> Yakety sacks. Yeah.
<laughs> Sick. Oh, dude. Oh, this is good. Um, well, so I don't, uh, I don't, I don't got anything else, man. Um, David, what are your thoughts on this jam? Uh, it's an absolute jam. I'm so glad that they didn't do the board fade on this song, and that we get the full James King treatment on uh, this. The I mean, everybody was waiting for this song so hard. Um, because we'd gotten the EP, the Love Never EP, the year before, but we really wanted to hear. Like, we didn't know. I forgot. Like. They didn't really announce the record until this single came out in late September. So, like, no one knew what was going to be coming out from Jimmy Eat World. And this was a terrific reintroduction to the band. Absolutely, man. Now, Surviving is a great intro to this entire album, but All the Way Stay could have totally taken its place. Um, and what yeah, next I'm glad best they spot? Didn't, though. I, I, right. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, and, and, but what next best spot, right? The, the side B, yeah. track one, sick. So good. Yeah, dude. A little prison's all you need. That's it. It will change your life if you if you go just a little bit of prison and then come back and you'll be a great member of society, a contributing member, and uh, everything's gonna be great. I love this track. It is uh, a and the fact that my daughter is it's her favorite track on the album. Um, you know, is also a reason why I like it so much. But this is a definite uh, ten out of ten, man. I love this one. Yeah. Oh, and also I made a little meme out of the Michael Jordan. Uh, oh, sick. Uh, Jamming on the, the bus, Michael right? Jordan documentary that oh, the last dance that everybody's talking about. So there's a um, there's a Twitter account called Jordan Jammin, and he just puts this clip from the last dance documentary of Michael Jordan, like listening to headphones on a bus um, and puts just whatever music over it. And I was like, oh, well, it has to be the sax solo from All the Way Stay. So I made it <laughs> and I put it up and I'll, right. I'll put it, I'll, I'll post it with this episode, but you know, it'll get pulled down by Instagram. Um, of course. But I did post it to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. So uh, that's it. Awesome, man. Um, Another banger in the every- box. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think everybody uh, should uh, be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes!